And I'm a big mantra and affirmation person. And one of the things that did help me when I was struggling was writing things down. And I would just write down, I am strong. I am capable. I am loved. You're okay. You've got this. Just breathe. And I would put them on sticky notes and, you know, put them where I thought that I might see them during the day. And it occurred to me at some point that I was like, oh, I should just put this on the baby. (laughs) I'm seeing him all the time. And when he's crying is when I really need that reminder that I'm okay and I need to breathe. And so I started doing a search on the internet. I was like, for sure, this has to exist already. There's no way that this doesn't exist. And I could not find anything. And that to me was just like, okay, this is something that we need to have because moms are struggling, parents are struggling, and all we're putting on these babies is I'm the cutest and daddy's little hunk and (laughs) things like that. Welcome to Our Village Circle, a podcast centered around authentic sharing, honest storytelling, and elevating the voices of parents and professionals alike to demystify the realities of new parenthood. We understand on a visceral level that with the joy of your new human also comes every other emotion under the sun. We want you to feel seen, heard, known, and held in this life-altering stage. We wholeheartedly believe that everyone's story has something powerful to offer others as they navigate their own journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Our Village Circle podcast. I'm your host, Jaylee Turner, and this week I'm taking a little bit of a break from podcast editing to work on some other exciting things and spend time with my family. So I decided to rebroadcast one of our most popular episodes with Allison Coleman, a toddler mom from Baltimore, Maryland, and owner of Joey Faru, a baby apparel brand dedicated to supporting and encouraging newly postpartum parents. The creation of Joey Faru stemmed from Allison's own experience with postpartum depression and OCD. In this episode, she shares her story, launching us into a discussion about perinatal mental health and the state of maternal health care in the United States of America. Even though it's been three years since we had this discussion, I still find so many of the topics that we discussed relevant today, so I hope you'll enjoy it too. We'll begin in just a moment after this brief message from our sponsor. Are you expecting in 2023? Congratulations! It's likely you've chosen your care provider, thought about your registry, begun planning the nursery, maybe even hired a doula or registered for a childbirth class. But have you given much thought to your postpartum time? Postpartum has and always will be the work of my heart. It's the reason I came into working with expectant and new parents. I recently launched Mindshare webinar, Preparing for a Smooth Postpartum, and it was a hit. I'm glad to say that we will be back by popular demand throughout the year on various dates. This offering, which can be taken anywhere in the world, is a virtual class that solely focuses on how to care for the newborn parents. Preparing for your birth, but not your postpartum, is kind of like planning a wedding without giving much thought to the marriage itself. People do it, but zero out of 10. Don't recommend. 
everyone wants to hold the baby, but who is holding the one that birthed the baby? Do you know about the massive hormonal shifts that occur in the hours, days, weeks, and months after your baby is born as your body adjusts from your pregnancy? What about nourishment? Have you thought about how you'll be feeding yourself after baby arrives? Everyone tells you to eat healthy, but what is healthy eating in postpartum? What does that even mean? Maybe you're nervous about how you'll navigate your changing relationship after baby arrives with your partner, your family, your friends. How do you plan to communicate your boundaries surrounding visitors, unsolicited advice, personal space, helpers? Who are your helpers going to be? My class will help you to become clear on all of the above and more. We'll cover the golden hour, the hormones of postpartum, physical healing, emotional healing, nourishment, movement, relationships, community, visitors, boundaries, and much more. I'll take you on a journey through the first year expectations, care of yourself, navigating the changes that you will go through after baby is born. This is not a breastfeeding class, and this is not an infant care class. This is a postpartum care class. My next live webinar will take place on April 25th from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., and I am offering our Village Circle listeners an exclusive discount. Simply visit www.ourvillagecircle.com the link is in our show notes, select your preferred class date and enter promo code podcast 10 for 10% off your class registration. Don't wait to jump on this offer. There is no point in pregnancy that is too early to begin thinking about how to have a beautiful fourth trimester. And this can be a wonderful gift for a loved one, you know, who might be expecting all participants will receive two hours of virtual instruction via zoom, a recording from the session a Q&A session afterwards, a file with all class handouts and materials, and our signature postpartum resource list. Again, sign up at the link in our show notes and enter code PODCAST10 to take advantage of our special introductory rate for our signature live webinar, preparing for a smooth postpartum. Now, back to our episode. Hi, Allison. Welcome to Our Village Circle. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. My name is Allison Coleman. I'm originally from Virginia, but I've also lived in California and now I live in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm a mom. I'm a wife and I also am a runner. I work for a local nonprofit in PR and social media. I love to travel and yeah, especially after my son is born, I've just become really passionate about maternal mental health. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to be for you? I want to say I struggled with, but I struggle with postpartum um, depression, anxiety, and OCD. That's been something that I think realistically I can acknowledge that probably came on while I was pregnant, but really, really became apparent to me after my son was born in February, 2019. I have a history of depression and anxiety. So I thought, oh, I'll know how to handle postpartum depression if that happens to me. I think I honestly even expected that it would. I I think I knew that was going to happen to me. And yet I still was completely unprepared and really just yeah, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I felt so alone and was just really did not have a foundation of 
what maternal mental health looked like and how to get help and when I needed help. And yeah, just really all of it was just a huge mystery to me and left me feeling incredibly alone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like on paper, the description of postpartum depression and what that looks like versus the lived experience of going through a PMAD while you also have a new being to care for, while your body is changing, while your hormones are haywire, Mm -hmm. while your relationship with your partner is changing, while everyone else's relationship to you is changing. It's just a lot all muddled in this soup of confusion. And it can, especially because of everything else going on, I feel like perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are one of those things that can so easily get missed, especially because when you leave the hospital with a new baby, what do they tell you? They say, contact us if you want to hurt yourself or your baby. And that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Which in other words, we really only care if you're going to hurt someone. Yeah. And I think I just really want to like touch on just that language because I think you're so right is call us if you want to hurt yourself or your baby. And that want in there is so important because I had intrusive thoughts and I did not in any way, shape or form want to hurt myself or my baby, but I had intrusive thoughts about hurting myself and my baby. And it absolutely terrified me. And I didn't want to have those thoughts. And it was absolute torture because these thoughts would just come into my brain and I had no idea where they were coming from. They would come in like that. And I just, it was terrifying. And I felt like Uh I had two brains. There was one brain that had these really terrible thoughts, these really scary thoughts. And then the other side of this other brain that would do absolutely anything to protect my baby and myself and my family. And I just felt, how, how, where does that fit in? And so I just really want to touch on the fact that you said that if you want to, that want is so important. And so it makes you feel like I don't want to. And so where are these thoughts coming from? And it just leaves people in this really difficult situation. And then on top of that, knowing, okay, what happens if I do call them and say that I am honest about these thoughts? We know that parents get their kids taken away for being honest about things like that. I have spoken with moms who have had that happen to them when really what they're experiencing is intrusive thoughts and postpartum depression and their kids are taken away from them. And we know that's even worse for people who aren't white women. So I think that it's just really something that needs to be addressed. And when doctors and families don't know about this, it just creates this really difficult situation that really, you know, has a no good outcomes when we're not talking about it. Yeah. I remember that fear myself when I was struggling. I think it took a long time for me to recognize that I was struggling with a postpartum mood disorder because of that. Like you said, you touched on it perfectly, the want, because I was having in hindsight, intrusive thoughts. I remember in the middle of the night when my baby would not stop crying, I had visions come into my mind of myself slamming him over the coffee table. Mm -hmm. And then I knew I wasn't going to do it, but it was a scary thought. And I told, I remember telling my husband about it too. And he was like, I know, like, I'm so sleep deprived. Like I've had similar visions of just like shaking him and whatever. So to me, I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty normal. But it was disturbing to me. And I remember... I never really shared that with anyone at the time because Mm -hmm. I was afraid that if I told my pediatrician that 
that we would have a CPS case on yeah. it. I was afraid that if I told any friends about it or any family that they would be like, oh my God, why would you ever want to hurt your baby? I would never want to do that. And then there's yep. a shame aspect involved and I didn't want to be viewed as a bad mom. And yeah. I didn't want to be viewed like I wasn't coping with right. it. I think that there's such a, there's such a shame aspect around motherhood. What do they tell you when you have a baby? Enjoy yeah. every second. And <laughs> My doctor literally said those words to me when I told her that I was struggling. She yeah, literally said that. to me, they are only small for so long. Just enjoy every moment. And I just felt, okay, <laughs> like, I'm clearly not going to be getting the help that I need here. Right. And it just made you me want so to much enjoy worse. every moment. Of course, exactly. If it was like, do you think that I'm choosing to sit here sobbing instead of watching him sleep like a perfect angel and have those thoughts instead of, oh my God, he's going to wake up soon and start crying. And what am I going to do? And when does my husband get home? And when can he take over? And I'm not, of course, I would love to be able to be in that bliss, but I just wasn't feeling it. And that the idea of enjoying every moment was just absolutely impossible. Like I, my brain at that time was incapable of enjoying any moment, let alone every moment. I remember, yes, I remember sitting on the couch with my baby, just trying so hard to enjoy yep. it. Like I would sit there for ages and ages and just stare at him. And I'm like, if I stare at you enough, maybe I'll feel this joy right. that everyone Yep. You're like, this is what I see in the movies. Eventually there's going to be some really beautiful music that will start playing and the light is going to shine through the window and it's going to be this perfect moment and I'm going to love you immediately. And that just, yeah, you just wait and then they like poop and you're like, okay, I guess that that wasn't this moment then. It's just, it doesn't happen like that. And I think it's just, I experienced so much grief over, which I realize now was grief that I didn't have that. My maternity leave, my, when he was born, like that did, it was just not what I expected. And it took me a very long time to feel that in love feeling with him. Yeah. I, uh, yes, I remember, of course, there are some people who do experience that yeah. bliss and that halo mm -hmm. effect and they fare really well hormonally mm -hmm. after having a baby. I was not one of those people. You were not one of those people, but I it's good to know that those people exist. Yeah, no, they definitely do. I remember yeah. one of my best friends and I, we had a baby around the same time. She was a little bit after me. And mm -hmm. that was when I started realizing that what I was experiencing was a little bit outside of normal, watching her go through her experience. And she mm -hmm. was someone who I, I think that if she was really struggling, she would have felt comfortable telling us, mm -hmm. but then watching her go through that really happy postpartum experience for a while I felt really mad at her and I, I like was convinced that she was lying I was like this yeah. is not what motherhood <laughs> is this is not no you are painting a false picture blah 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 right. you know she really did have that experience yeah I remember feeling so inadequate watching that yeah um, I had a similar experience with my friend who had a baby shortly after me and I think I yeah definitely felt a lot of envy for I wonder what it's like to be so in love with this little baby immediately. Like I, yeah. I wanted that so badly and I was happy for her that she had it, but I was envious. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's definitely this aspect of what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. if, if you experience anything other than that maternal 
bliss of having a newborn. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, we are told that's just something that we're going to feel right away. And I think I expected it. And when I didn't feel it right away, that was traumatic for me because it felt like a confirmation of all the doubts that I'd had about, am I going to be a good mom? Am I going to be a good parent? Am I going to be able to handle this? Is my kid going to love me? And even from the first second, when I didn't feel that, it just felt like a confirmation of all of that was like, oh, you can't even do this. Like you can't even love your kid. And yeah, so that for me was just really difficult. And I think set me on a a tough path to come back from for the rest of my postpartum experience. So what did that journey look like for you? It was rough. I, yeah, from the second he was born, I just felt really exhausted. My birth experience was a little strange as well, because the rule for when you go to the hospital is like 511. So you have to have, I think it's, one minute contractions, five minutes apart for an hour that my contractions started at three minutes apart. And so I, and then just never, they just got longer and more intense, but I didn't think that I was even in labor when I went into labor (laughs) at 2am in the morning. I was just like toddling around my house. I hadn't slept. I took a shower. I cleaned the kitchen. I ate some pod thai. And then finally realized after I, after a couple hours of that, I realized like, oh, wait a second, these are all three minutes apart and they're getting stronger. I just thought it was Braxton Hicks. And so I, yeah, finally woke up my husband. Um, like, I think that this might actually be happening. But anyway, so I was exhausted when I finally had my son because my contractions had been three minutes apart the entire time. I never had a break. I hadn't slept the night before. I was hungry because for hospital births, they don't let you eat. And so I was just completely depleted. I did have an epidural, which I'm so glad that I gave myself the grace to do, which at least allowed me to have a nap. So I was very (laughs) grateful for that. But yeah, I just felt exhausted. Like from the first second, I just felt so exhausted and so depleted and empty. And I think I really expected once he's born, I'm going to have that moment of all of a sudden I'm going to be fulfilled, not only as a mother, but as a person. Like I thought like, he's going to be my missing piece. This is just going to like completely fulfill my life. And so when he was born and I looked at him and didn't feel that immediate immediate love I also felt like I was gypped out of the oxytocin hormonally I'm supposed to get at least a little bit of that right just felt exhausted and empty of course we had a different experience in the hospital my birth was quick and it happened Mm -hmm. during the day so I was actually pretty rested when he was born but then we had a horrible experience in postpartum Mm -hmm. and our time was not restful we had a bit of a traumatic thing going on with blood sugars and all of that so by the time we left the hospital any sort of rested or recovered or energetic that we might have had was completely depleted. And right. like when we left the hospital, we felt like mince meat. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to that feeling of just starting at a deficit, if you will. Yeah, and I think from then, I just felt like I was always trying to claw my way to feeling okay and mm-hmm. pretending that I was feeling okay. And I think that it can be really difficult to climb your way back up when you're starting from that place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, and I and think not I mean experience in the hospital is this restful, blissful thing in the postpartum wing. And I think also honestly, like I had a hard time finding someone whose experience was that. And I think that's I understand that's what they're aiming for, but like even when I was sleeping, I would get woken up every hour to check my temperature, they're taking blood, they're doing all of these things to check on you, which is important. They need to take care of you. But at the same time, it's impossible to rest when you're getting checked on every hour on the hour. There's so many contradicting messages when it comes to postpartum recovery. There's the whole, you need to rest and you need to really not go upstairs and you need to stay at home. Mm -hmm. Then they require you to have a pediatrician appointment two days after. Right. (laughs) Get home from the hospital. And yep. Now with co- with COVID, some pediatricians are doing home visits, but that mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. Right. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. And let's um, be honest, everything takes longer. Oh, do you have to pee? You can slot out a half hour because you're <laughs> going to have to do <laughs> to just to get everything off, take, get your peri bottle, get everything nice and clean down there again. Yep. Put your pants back on, put those million pads on there, get the witch hazel in there, get the tux. Like it's a whole thing. And yeah, it's just everything takes so long. Everything Mm -hmm. takes so long. I think that's one thing I really didn't realize about, you know, about that like post birth experience is just how long everything takes. And especially if you breastfeed, that's a whole thing because then you got to get everything set up. And especially when you're not familiar with the holds and they're so little and still learning how to do it, everything just takes so long. By the time you're done nursing, it's almost time to nurse again. I remember when I wasn't breastfeeding, I was Googling yeah. things about breastfeeding. <laughs> right. I mean, I wasn't, exactly. I wasn't breastfeeding when the baby slept. I was looking up how much milk should my right. baby be getting? How do I know if he's had enough? Uh, is this a good latch? Oh, my milk is a little blue. What does that mean? It might be pumping. What is a pump? How do I use it? Yes. All of these things. And right. yeah, especially with breastfeeding, I feel it's often sold to women as a preventative measure for mm-hmm. postpartum mood disorders. Mm-hmm. It's sold to women as something that if you do it, you will bond with your baby. Yeah. I will say for me, those were the big motivations for breastfeeding was I had a sense that I was probably predisposed to have a PMAD. And I was concerned about bonding because of my own parental relationship things. And so I just, I really wanted to make sure that I bonded with my baby and that I gave myself the best chance of not having a PMAD. So then when I did all the quote unquote, right, I had a medication-free birth. I had the oxytocin high. I breastfed. I did all of the quote unquote, correct things to avoid postpartum depression. So Uh then when I think for me, there was a little bit of denial. Yeah. Because I was like, all of these things prevent postpartum depression. Right. You're like, but I checked all the boxes. Make you bond (laughs) with your babies. I was honest with my husband. The first couple um, nights at home, I remember turning to him and just saying, I still love you and our dog like a lot more than I love that kid. Is that (laughs) weird? Is that okay? And he was like, I think that's normal. We just met him. (laughs) It might take a little time to develop. People don't give that enough credit that when you have a baby, you have met them for the first time. Yeah. And they're so needy 
and they're really not bringing a lot to the table. Like I always tell my friends that now, like it's okay if you're not immediately a fan of this person that has literally been like leeching off of you for the past 10 months. You had to work very hard to get them out. And now they just need everything from you. If he was a grown man or a grown woman, like it's not like we would immediately be a fan of this person. If this, I said this to my husband when our son was a newborn. I said, if we had this sort of a relationship with an adult, it would be considered an abusive relationship. Absolutely. Exactly. And so the idea that like we're supposed to just immediately fall in love with them. I'm so happy for the people that it helped that that happens to. But let's be honest, that's a biological thing. It's not like you are in love with this really needy human who can't talk or do anything. Right. Um, there are like, hormones at play. Oxytocin yes. is what helps the baby get out. It's also the right. love hormone. Yeah. I think like you said it so perfectly, like this would be an abusive relationship. It's okay <laughs> not being completely into it right away. And so that definitely helps me to know that I wasn't alone also. And my husband was saying, he's like, yeah, I agree. He's cool. But I honestly think that my husband had more of that immediate love feeling for him though like he was absolutely enamored with him which also made me feel a lot better because I felt okay at least he's getting it from one of us and anytime I was looking at him I was trying so hard to smile and fake it because I know how important smiling is for your development even if I'm not feeling it maybe I can just fake it till I make it but yeah I just I felt so empty I felt really alone I felt really scared of all of those intrusive thoughts and all these emotions that I had just never felt before. I think for me, the depression felt familiar, but more than anything, the thing that really scared me, the longer I went on with my PMADs untreated was the rage. Yeah. And how did that show up for you? Oh, that for me was, it came on pretty slowly for the first couple weeks, it was definitely more rooted in depression and numbness and slowly the longer as time went on, the rage just really started to pick up. My son would start crying and I would just start seeing red. My fight or flight response was just always ready to go. I felt like my entire, my shoulders would get tense from being so on edge all the time. And it felt like, especially when he would cry, I just, I had to get out of the room. And I think about it now and I think, was it because I was worried I would hurt him or was I thinking about the next steps? And it really felt like there was nothing after that. It was just get out. Yeah. And that for me was rock bottom was a couple months after he was born. And at this point, I was well aware of the fact that I was experiencing postpartum depression. I knew that the sadness was kicking in. I knew all these things. I knew that I needed help, but I hadn't taken the step to do it yet. And I think I was... I really thought that I could tough it out on my own. And I think another big piece of not wanting to get help was because I was really scared to say all of these things in my head out loud. And even though at that point I knew that it was common and I knew that I wasn't alone, I still was just really scared of admitting it to myself. But yeah, I, I remember it so clearly. I was putting my son down for a nap and he just would not stop crying. And I put him down in his pack and play and just walked to the other room. I started hyperventilating. I was having a panic attack and I just could not stop thinking like everything that was going through my head was they'll be better off without you. You've got to leave. 
go get your keys. You don't even have to take anything. Just get out of the house. Just go there. Don't look back. Like just get out. The urgency with which my body was trying to push me out of the house made it clear to me so much. So that idea of the two brains, the one brain was really trying to push me out. And the other brain was thinking like, there's no, there's no way in hell you're leaving this kid. Basically it's right now you're getting help or you're leaving. Thankfully I knew where to find help. I immediately like got onto my phone, looked on psychology today. They have a therapist finder and left a very desperate voicemail for <laughs> the first person who specialized in postpartum depression. And I've been with that therapist ever since. And it's been really tough work. And I'm just so grateful that I finally showed up for myself and um, got the help that I really needed. Yeah. And I also think it's amazing, like listening to your story, even though you were experiencing all of these intrusive thoughts, and even though you were having this fight or flight reaction Mm -hmm. in your body and in your mind and everything, there was still something deep within that was keeping you there. That was Mm -hmm. keeping you smiling at your kid. That was keeping you staring at your kid. Just trying to feel something. Yeah. Kept you in the house that day. Right. And yeah. Yeah. I wanted it. I really, I, I wanted it. I just didn't know how to get it. And, but I think that's the mama bear. Mm -hmm. even when we don't see it that instinct is there yeah Um, I think for me the process took a really long time to even realize what was going on because they also tell you when you leave the hospital you're gonna feel sad for a little while it's Mm -hmm. baby blues like it's your hormones evening out and I remember in hindsight a friend came over and I was having a conversation with him and I spent the whole time talking about they say the baby blues last only two weeks, but that's a lie. I'm six weeks in and I don't have postpartum depression, but I still feel like shit. And that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is my own bone to pick, but there's a lot of like mommy blogs and mom Instagram accounts, which sometimes they're a double-edged sword because there's a lot of them that will talk about the realities of postpartum and they'll talk Mm -hmm. about the mesh underwear. They'll talk about the tears. They'll talk about the breastfeeding issues. They'll talk about the cluster feeding and the sleep deprivation. And they're like normalized postpartum, Mm -hmm. but it's done almost in a way that romanticizes postpartum Mm -hmm. disorders. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that I was reading at the time Normalize feeling like crap, normalize crying a lot, normalize being tired, normalize all of this. When I think what I should have been hearing at the time is what you're experiencing is a little bit outside of normal and you deserve to get help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, there's a big difference between normalizing something because we need to detach the stigma from it and we need to make people more aware of it. And normalizing something because it's what you should expect to go through and you shouldn't complain about it. And I think the fact is that we need to normalize PMADS and the entire postpartum experience. And what we also need to normalize is people getting treatment for that. And we need to normalize supporting that entire postpartum experience. And take that stigma away and take that shame away if you are going through that. I can only imagine how different it would be for people who give birth to have their unmarried non-child brother-in-law to check in and say, 
hey, how are you feeling? I know that this period can be really difficult and I just want you to know that I'm here to support you. Right. Like somebody who has no connection to childbirth whatsoever, being able to check in on that. And for me, that's what normalizing that postpartum experience means is yes. making it understood by everybody, not just partners, not just parents, but everybody that this is what happens. And it's common, but it doesn't mean that they have to be alone. This is just something that they are likely to experience and need support for. And everybody has a role in being that support system for them. Absolutely. And I think that's, you touched on a really big thing too, is the public's assumption of what postpartum is for someone else. Mm -hmm. I think that the general public does have an assumption that having a new baby is purely a joyful time. Mm-hmm. For some people, it absolutely is, but it really comes with every emotion under the sun. Yeah. And all of it should be accepted. Mm-hmm. And the expectation that it's going to be joyful is what's, I think, damaging. Um, because then for people who it is joyful for, it feels like they're just meeting the need and that's what's expected. And for people who it's not, they feel like they're failing. Yeah. And I do, I I agree with you that joyful feeling comes at different times for different people Mm -hmm. For someone, it may happen immediately when the baby's born. And then for other people, it may not be until the baby smiles for the first time or says mama or laughs for the first time and all of it is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also it's just so important to note that just because you have that feeling in the hospital, just because you feel really overjoyed, even if you don't have the baby blues at all, like you can still develop postpartum depression or anxiety or OCD or psychosis or any of these other PMADs that we know about. It doesn't have to be right off the bat. No, you're correct. Yeah. My OCD didn't really kick in until about six or eight weeks, Mm -hmm. actually. And for me, it took a while to come to a PTSD and OCD diagnosis. I was Mm -hmm. originally diagnosed with postpartum anxiety at seven months. Mm -hmm. And it was helpful in the sense that I was able to get medication. I was able to start to take the right steps to find a therapist, Mm -hmm. but it never really felt like that diagnosis was truthful when I said, I have postpartum anxiety or I have postpartum depression. Like I always felt like I was lying a little bit and I never quite understood why. Mm -hmm. And for me, it took a couple of therapists to get to the right place. And for someone to finally recognize, oh no, your experience in the hospital was traumatic for you. And Mm -hmm. you have been dealing with the after effects of that. And you have been dealing with symptoms of OCD as well as a result. And it took a very long time to come to that conclusion. And you mentioned earlier too, that you've dealt with a lot of grief Mm -hmm. in the wake of having a PMAD. And that is something that I don't hear talked about enough, but I think is something that is really important, especially for people who may be on the other side Mm -hmm. of a PMAD or who may be further along like a year postpartum or whatnot. That is something I don't really hear talked about much, but whenever I mention it to someone, they say, oh yeah, you're right. But that grief of really not having that bonding and postpartum lovely experience that you imagined for yourself. Yeah. And especially if you had a maternity leave, like I remember just 
feeling I just didn't feel like I thought I would as a mom at the end of mm-hmm. my maternity leave. Yeah. And there was a lot of grief associated with that. And I felt like I missed out on enjoying a lot of my son's first year. Yep. Because yeah, I exactly because I was just trying to feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just it's tough because the reality is we're never going to get that back. I can't go back to when he was that little and I can't go back to my maternity leave with him. That's just not something that I'm ever going to be able to do. And even though I feel that bond with him now. And even at the time, even then I still loved this kid to pieces, but now I just feel, I I do feel that over the moon bond with him now. Yeah. And it just, it almost, once I did develop that bond, it almost made my grief worse in a weird way because it made me feel like this is what I was missing out on then. And that was hard. And I think it's just, yeah, it's tough. And I think that just acknowledging that it is grief. It's not easy, but it, it allows you to give yourself some grace for it and recognize that, okay, this is something I'm feeling and something I'm going to have to work through and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. When you were in the middle of it, did you experience any sort of like strong reactions when another friend or relative would talk about how much they loved their kid or how much they enjoyed spending every second with their kid that they could or whatnot? Yeah, I think I felt for me, it was very much their experience is the true experience that people have and that people should have and people are meant to have. And my experience is the one that is broken. Feeling my experience is not common, not normal. Yeah. Just that I'm the one who's broken here and that I should be feeling all of those things. And also a lot of envy feeling like I wish I felt like that. And a lot of rationalizing in my brain, they feel like that because they, I don't even know if it was that they earned feeling like that or something, but I would just find things about them that I deemed better about them. That was a reason why I didn't deserve that. Mm -hmm. And it was really just so much of so much of those mood and anxiety disorders taking play and taking hold in my brain and rationalizing that for me because my brain works in a pretty rational way. And so it wasn't, it really wanted to find answers for why they could have that and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it took a really negative turn for me, which was not great for my own mental health. But I realize now how damaging that was for myself and how, yeah, just how untrue it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing the lies that your brain will tell you when your chemical balance is off. And yeah, I think that we have to give birthing people so much grace because Mm -hmm. their bodies, from the moment you get pregnant, you have a hormone that is doubling every single day mm-hmm. to keep your baby growing, alive, safe. And this number doubles and doubles. It levels out in the second trimester, but your body chemistry is changing over nine months to grow a whole human, yep. like an entire person. And then your body goes through an entire hormonal process to kick that baby out of your body. Yep. And then within two days, your estrogen and your progesterone levels are at menopausal levels. Yeah. 
And all of a sudden, your hormonal balance has to go back, not back to normal, but it has to recalibrate from having grown a baby for nine months to that baby is now on the outside and I've got to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. Yeah. And there's a whole soup of hormones like estrogen drops, progesterone drops. If you're breastfeeding, prolactin rises, serotonin drops. It's bonkers. It's just absolutely bonkers. Right. And so, of course, maybe some women, their bodies are struggling with that. And I think like, it's not a maternal deficit. It is a chemical process that is really difficult. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is about all this is from Gabby Bernstein. And she said, becoming a mother is a traumatic experience. And it just is so true. No matter, you could have the absolute best pregnancy in the world, best birth in the world, have that feeling of love as soon as your kid comes out, have every single maternal instinct in the world and have the best support system, all of this. And that experience is always going to be traumatic because it is a completely life-changing experience. Your body goes through so much. There's just no way to come through it completely unscathed. Yeah. And our bodies, like you've just said, like they just go through so much. And then you add on to that too, while your body is recalibrating, you are sleep deprived. Yeah. You are. And of course, if you're breastfeeding, every time you put that baby on your boob, the hormones change again. Yep. And so you add all of that in, you're getting inadequate rest, usually inadequate food and water, Mm -hmm. uh, inadequate hygiene. It's no wonder that. And that's if you're in a vacuum and there's not a lot of expectation from people to come visit people, even people with the absolute best intentions of wanting to help. It's still just more pressure. It's, it's just so much. It's yeah. You're having, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like I couldn't, if someone was over, I couldn't go upstairs and take a nap. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I felt like I had to be a good host. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make sure that they're having a good experience with your new baby. Yeah, next time around, whenever that is, I I think that I will probably only have people in my house who I feel comfortable (laughs) doing my laundry and letting me take it. Yes, yeah. So I don't feel like I have to entertain. Yes, absolutely. Which is easier with COVID, I suppose. True. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went through all of this and you found the help you needed. What what did mm-hmm. your support team look like during that time? My, honestly, my husband has just been the best support system I ever could have asked for. I think it really did help us that he had seen me in some really low depression states before. And so he knew what I needed. He was very well equipped to (laughs) just let me sleep when I needed to and rub my back and just not expect me to be anybody. Just let me be numb sometimes, which was, sounds so depressing, but it's true. And that's just really what I needed. Yeah. And yeah, he just is just been so wonderful, just completely, you know, non-judgmental and just really, really supportive. I think he would have, I know that he would have preferred me to get help a lot earlier. In fact, he did make several mentions of it many times, but how long long was it for you? When I called the therapist was five months in. Okay. 
Yeah, which three months in, I had very much recognized and started learning about what was going on with me, but it still took me another two months to actually get professional help, mm-hmm. which I was telling people like, oh, if you're going through this, make sure you have help, make sure you get support. And meanwhile, it still took me longer to get help. But yeah, he was really crucial for my support system. I feel very fortunate that I have two really wonderful friend groups. One friend group, which are all moms and one friend group, which none of them have kiddos yet. And that was actually really beneficial to me because it was nice to be able to talk to my friends who had kids about what, you know, about what I was experiencing and feel validated and be able to share that with them. And at the same time, talk to other people as well who didn't have that background of their own experience and so could offer uh, just different support in that way. And it almost felt like it was just a little bit more novel and I didn't have to, not that I had to do this with my mom friends as well as I think, but it just felt a little bit different in that I didn't have to think, was this something that normal moms would go through? Are they going to think I'm terrible for this? Or should I know this? Like how, are they going to think that I'm a bad mom because I didn't know this before? Is this something that all moms should know? And I don't, and now they're going to judge me. I just assume they probably won't know because they're not moms. That's true. Yeah, so I, to that. yeah and I think it yeah. was, so at the end of the day, honestly, I just had a really wonderful group of friends that I felt like I could be honest with. Great. And I think that was really, yeah really beneficial and then finally at five months I added my therapist to my support system and she has just been really amazing and has just been so helpful I think that one big piece of advice that I would offer to anybody who's struggling with a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder is to make sure that you try and find if you can a therapist who specializes in postpartum because for me, that has just been so crucial. She has, it's not only knowing all of the different experiences and diagnoses and everything that goes along with that, but also just having her own experience and the experience of all of her other clients. And she was also able to connect me with a support group. That was so beneficial to me was just having that foundation already laid. And I bet that was super validating for you too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's the number one thing that I felt like I needed during that time Mm -hmm. is validation that yes, this is hard. Yeah. Validation that yes, my needs matter and I Mm -hmm. matter as a person independent of my baby. Yeah. And validation that what I was going through wasn't normal. All like literally validation in every sense of the word and also just doing a good job yeah I yeah. felt like I constantly needed someone to hold my hand and mm-hmm. I I could have used a lot more just you are doing great yeah yeah and I think it's funny because when you're saying that it just makes me think also we don't only just need that in the postpartum period we need it in pregnancy too yeah. and it really made me think about so when I was pregnant and actually still now I suffered from SPD, which is symphysis pubis dysfunction. It's also called pelvic girdle pain. It is a nightmare. And it was so incredibly difficult because I knew I was having a lot of pain early in my pregnancy. I didn't know what it was. 
I didn't know how to verbalize it. I didn't know how to explain what that pain was because especially when you're pregnant, there's all kinds of weird things that hurt. And you're like, I'm feeling pain in an area that I didn't even know existed. Maybe this area didn't exist before. There's also this panic in your head that what if there's something wrong with the baby? And as a first-time mom, sometimes I think you can just be like, this must just be what pregnancy is like. Exactly. Exactly. And and you go to the doctor and that's what they tell you. I went to the doctor several times and said, this is the pain I'm experiencing. And they said to me, it's round ligament pain. And I thankfully eventually realized like, no, it's not round ligament pain because I also have that. I know what that is. This is different finally was able to self-diagnose after long Google research hole that I fell into, figured out that it was FPD, took that information to my doctor who did not even know what it was, and then had to, after another, I think two more doctor's appointments before she finally went back and researched, learned what SPD was, sent me to the physical therapist And then by that time I was 36 weeks pregnant and they were basically just, there's nothing we can do. So SPD is when your body produces so much relaxin when you're pregnant because everything has to move and relaxin is the hormone that allows everything to move. With SPD, your pelvis moves too far apart and then it basically just wreaks havoc on the rest of your body. And I was in so much pain. I couldn't, it was pretty much pain. Anytime I would stand on one leg and especially when I was changing my pants, like I just excruciating pain in my pelvis. Anytime I rolled over, anytime I, when I was running, I was so disappointed to have to stop running. And I haven't been running since actually, because I'm just still struggling with it. I think for me, that was the most difficult part of my pregnancy because like you mentioned validation, like I just felt like no one believes me. I'm experiencing this pain that no one believes I'm even having. It seems like I should just be gritting through it. And I I just could barely walk. I was in so much pain and I just felt so disappointed. And then by the time I finally got to the physical therapist's office and they adjusted me and within 10 minutes, my body had gone back to where it was in this super stretched out position And they basically told me, well, there's nothing that we can do. And, but don't worry, it always goes away after labor, which is not true. I was about about (laughs) to ask, did yours go away after labor? No, it did not. And so I think that also contributed to my really disappointing, you know, time in the hospital because I felt like, okay, as soon as I have this baby, I'm going to start feeling better. I can start running again. I'll feel like myself. And that did not happen. Then I was told a little go away after breastfeeding. I am now almost five months out from breastfeeding and still experiencing it. But I really think that the most frustrating thing for me has just been learning that SPD is estimated to be diagnosed in one in 300 women who are, I should say, one in 300 people who give birth and are pregnant, one in 300. That's what they say for SPD. The estimate is that 25% of birthing people actually have SPD, which means that it's one in four. So we are diagnosing Uh something that one in four people are experiencing only one in 300 times. And that to me is just absolutely unacceptable. And it sounds very similar to perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Yes, exactly. People struggle. I I don't know how many people I have talked to that have said, Oh, in hindsight, I definitely had postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. That just speaks to the gaps in maternal health care. 
Yep. And I'm not even just talking about like the obstetric model of care because I had midwifery care and I still had plenty that got missed. Mm -hmm. I think it is across the board in maternity care that there are many gaps that need to be addressed. There are many women who are falling through the cracks. There's a lot more education that needs to be done with healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. And I think it would really be beneficial to transition to a more holistic model of care and start addressing the whole picture. Yeah. Um, yep. Because I've heard this term thrown around a little bit, matrescence is yes. becoming a new term. Is that yep. transition to becoming a mother much like adolescence? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it is quite similar in the sense that there is this hormone soup. Your body yep. is changing. You've got weird things coming out of your body, all sorts of stuff. And there's so much we know about adolescence, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much research that's been done on those changes and there's still so much we don't know. That's all for now. It was so fun to revisit this conversation with Allison Coleman. If you want to hear part two of this, go back to season one of our podcast and go to episode two, Outfitting Babies to Support Moms. We'll be back with a new episode next week, so be sure to join us as we speak with Caroline O'Neill, founder of the Body, Birth, and Baby Center in Leesburg, Virginia, a brick-and-mortar collective of providers here to support you through preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, and into parenthood. Caroline became a massage therapist in 2007 and through her pregnancy massage training, fell in love with prenatal care. Having experienced many pregnancies herself, she understands the benefits that massage and body work can bring. Really felt like we talked about all of the things in this discussion. The benefits of massage and body work in the preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum phases. By the way, it is so much more than you think the education that we receive about our bodies growing up, the mind-body connection and birth, and of course, she shares with us all about her body, birth, and baby center and all it has to offer. You won't want to miss this one, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. If you like what you hear, feel free to follow, like, and share this podcast with anyone you feel may benefit. We have a great community on Instagram and Facebook at Our Village Circle, and our website is www.ourvillagecircle.com. Until next time, bye-bye.